Well, welcome to my podcast, Athcast Music. Coming from Athens, Georgia, and spotlighting the music of Athens, Georgia, now and then. What do I mean by now and then? Athens, Georgia was a mecca, really beginning after the Civil War, but it continued to grow to be a mecca during the 70s with artists like R.E.M., The Wigs, Widespread Panic, B-52s, Drive-By Truckers, really the list goes on. But there was a lot of musicians there at that time who were behind the scenes, in the bands. They switched bands. They played with other people. They played with people around the world. And my job with this AthCast music podcast is to tell you all about it. So without further ado, I am going to talk about my first guest here today, Andrew Ratcliffe. He is the CEO and instructor at Tweed Recording an audio production school here in Athens, Georgia. Ratcliffe, a self-taught recording artist and instructor, found much success in his in-home recording studio in Oxford, Mississippi, where other musicians began to utilize his space and equipment because it was really starting to become something there. The cast of artists Andrew has worked with is vast. Pokey Lafarge, Will Hogue, the Damwells, North Mississippi All-Stars, which I just recently saw, Will Sexton, Charlie Mars, the list really goes on forever. Andrew's recording studio was so successful, he soon realized a need for a bigger space and expansion of really what his studio could offer. After determining that Oxford was not able to support his visions, he had to start looking for other solutions. Well, Athens seemed like a natural fit for these aspirations. Joe Hill and I got to talk to Andrew recently, and we talked about why Athens was the perfect spot for his visions and goals, and what changes he made when he brought this state-of-the-art recording studio to Athens, Georgia. Welcome, Andrew. I am so excited to have you on AthCast Music today. I'm excited to be here. Thank you. I would not be here if it wasn't for you, as a matter of fact. Well, maybe I would have been somewhere else doing this, but I feel like it was kismet how we, um, I found you and, and thought I'd, before I get into a conversation with you, I'd tell the listeners when they come, <laughs> they will come. Yes. Build it. Um, how I came to re- record here, this pod- podcast. So I've been thinking about this for a long time. I still loved my television days and I had a little bit of a heart for that still wanting to be able to ask people questions mm-hmm. and find out answers. I just enjoy being with people, being around people. I'm very social and I just love learning about people. So when I got here to Athens, I could not really work in music. It just wasn't going to work. So I became a health insurance agent and it was great. but. In the back of my head, I had this thing about this podcast. And why wasn't anybody doing that? And that was my producer days coming coming through. And and the gears just kept on slowly working for me, saying, I have to do this. I don't know why I have to do this, but nobody's doing it. So one night I woke up and I sat up and I said, tweed recording, Hmm. and went back to sleep. I mean, most people would not remember that, think like, where did that come from? But 
That's what came in my head, and I remembered it the next morning. And I called Tweed Recording to find out why I said Tweed Recording. That's great. I like this <laughs> I kind have of no stories. clue yet. <laughs> I have so many stories like that on my versions. And too. Melissa was great. She told me all about the school. She told me about you a little bit, and she told me about Kayla. And Kayla and I got on the phone, and we definitely jived on the phone, and then we met, and bam, Kayla and I were like spitting at each other, trying to get the ideas and the uh, what we could do out fast enough. So thank you for this wonderful, wonderful place. I'm going to ask something that I think is a little obvious to me, maybe not to anybody else. Why Athens? I, I know you were raised in Georgia, but why Athens? How did Athens become the spot for you? I've read some things, but I really want to hear how you really started thinking about Athens. Sure. Well, I mean, you know, we, I spent 24 years in Mississippi and Oxford learning how to be a musician and an engineer and a drummer and an opinionator. And thank God my wife had a little bit of political prowess in her and I had to go to all these things with a, you know, tuxedo on and I went kicking and screaming, but it, you know, in the long run helped me out to, to come here. So, you know, we started the idea that we would start in, in Oxford and we would go Oxford to maybe Nashville, to Athens, to Austin, just to kind of these hotbeds that we'd always been to playing music. I mean, just musical towns and musical spaces that had uh, community and had an ecosystem with them. So, you know, it was supposed to start in Oxford, but it didn't. It started here instead. So the idea of coming back to Georgia was great. You know, there's a lot more incentive here that we've learned about just on the on the film side of things, the art side of things that we're we're also trying to advocate for as well. So, you know, Mississippi's a wonderful place, but uh, just wasn't where I was supposed to start. This part of it, anyways, the, the that, educational yeah. factor. Yeah, right? yeah. I see how that, um, when I was reading some things about you, how that really came into play, that really you you had to decide that Oxford, even though you really probably had some great affection for Oxford. Oh, sure, still do. Um, that that couldn't be the place. I moved to Athens nine years ago, and... I had no idea what a special place this was. And that's really how this all started. Right. It's still a special place. And your facility is crazy. So I just kind of want to ask you two things. There is a lot of great equipment in the studio. I told my brother, you know, to look at the site and everything. He's a He was a master's at KU with uh, audio and film and very particular about audio. And he started reading your equipment list and stuff. And he goes, well, I'm impressed. So, and, and that's not an easy thing to do, trust me, but he was pretty impressed too. So talk about that a little. So uh, really simply, uh, I mean, I, I was fortunate enough. One of the reasons to come back to Georgia too is just, is to be closer to my mother and father who are still in Atlanta. And my dad had a, almost a 40 year run with uh, Georgia Power, the Southern company. And, and so you know, he had a, a a great mind as a CEO in those places, and he kind of sat me down one day and said, hey, if you're going to do this, uh, which you are doing it, I mean, I started my own business when I was 20 years old, 19, 20 years old. And so he kind of said, you got to provide your retirement. You're just going to have to figure out ways of, of things you want to do. So, you know, back in 1996, 97, when we started this, you know, you could get uh, a vintage telefunken microphone for Two or three thousand dollars. Now they're worth, you know, twenty to thirty, just depending on what, you know, what the legacy of, of them are. You know, the VF fourteen tubes inside. So very simply, it started as a 
you know, as an equipment company to, uh, to kind of have as a fallback and, and retirement plan. So, and we've amassed just a massive collection over the past 27 years, 25 years or so, just gear that I was lucky to be in the right place at the right time or have a lot of friends under the radar that are buying and selling stuff. So that's really the simple version of it is it, it was an investment piece for me and still is. That I see. Now that's a good dad. Yeah, absolutely. That's a good dad. Don't you think? <laughs> no, that's, so? that's, that's one of the many things that I, that I was fortunate enough to learn. And, well, I'll get back to the political question sure. I want to ask you in a minute, but I want you also to talk about the staff. I, I can't even, I'm re- reading, Joe and I are reading these, oh, yeah, the these bi- bios, the bios and I'm like, amazing. how the hell did he get John Snyder? Oh, that mean, was, how the hell did he get these people? You know, I go back to what my dad said. I always put a bunch of people in the room smarter than you, and you'll be just fine. And, that, and you so, did every. I mean, from David Dwyer down to Kayla. The I mean, everybody. Well, it makes it what it is, and, oh and you go gosh. back to you go back to how magnificent this facility is to walk through every day. I mean, there's just character built. There's thirty or forty people that uh, that built the place that literally allowed me to take it out of my brain and put it into a into a functioning space to, to work in and to enjoy and to play in. So, I mean, you know, I, it's just a lot of people just showed up. I mean, Charlie showed up one day. Nate showed up one day. Kayla was a graduate. Uh, John was someone that I met through a mentor that I worked with in Nashville years ago, and I just called John up and I said, hey, here's my idea. And he was kind of like, well, your idea is kind of is great, but your formatting of it is junk because you don't know how to write curriculum. <laughs> I know how to do that. And then so, you know, the the very first version of it was it was even more different than it is now. Charlie Chastain, who's a, a magnificent teacher, is now our faculty leader, and, and he's the one that's in charge of the curriculum because the this industry is changing. It it probably is going to change, you know, more than we could ever possibly imagine. So staying current with that is is what's most important. So I think John was kind of Tired of the of the four year program at Loyola, he'd been there for twelve years mm-hmm. and wanted to do something new. And Charlie was looking for a place to land back in the states. Uh, you know, he does a lot of refugee work. Oh my gosh! All over Europe, all over the world. And so Nate was just this incredible recording engineer and, and artist. And he was like, you know, I don't know anything about teaching. I said, well, neither do I. I said, I don't want I don't want teachers. I don't want people that are kind of more apprenticeship based and, and are going to sit there and have the patience to go through recording engineers. Cause you know, what we do is, is a lot. I mean, it's 18 weeks, it's 540 hours. I know. I thought she said 18 months. And then she told me that it was no 18 weeks, 18 weeks two years of college in 18 weeks. Wow. And we, we think that's, I mean, that's what you go through as a recording engineer. You know it. I mean, it's 12 to 15 hour days sitting in a room like we're sitting in and you got to be mentally and physically prepared for that. I, I can only imagine sitting there. I, I mean, I look at the soundboard and you've got like all these dials and levers and knobs and I'd be like, why'd you do that? Why'd you do that? Why'd you do that? Why are we set like that? Sure. Um, but that's great. So you've got some real hands-on folks to be able to guide you through that. Absolutely. I answer walk somebody's in, endless questions. Well, I'm very fortunate that I can walk in and out of this door every day. And I know that everybody here on my staff cares about it as much as I do. And that's the ultimate goal is to find people that you love and trust and become a family. And that's what we are. seems like you have a good mixture of that. When I met you outside on the street that day, you were going to a soccer game or. Taekwondo. Oh, Taekwondo. Taekwondo. That's right. Something. Going to watch the girls. So I I, kind of got to drift there already. What I wanted to know is, is what was life like as an early 
touring musician. Where did it all start for you? So I went uh, born in Atlanta, then went to Birmingham, Alabama, went to Gulfport, Mississippi, had a pretty lucrative basketball career in Gulfport, tore my knee up, ended up going to the University of Mississippi because all my friends were going there, did really well my first year, then proceeded to fail out royally because I didn't go to class. I was playing and (laughs) trying to manage being on the weekends and coming up into an eight o'clock class. So um, the early years of, of being in Oxford, I mean, I was playing in several different bands and uh, one of those bands we decided to, uh, well, I was playing in one band and left that band, joined another band called Fappy Tweed. And we had, uh, you know, we started getting some notoriety. There's three of us. Well, with a name like Fappy Tweed. Well, I didn't come up with that. I was not in the in the band in the original uh, beginning. I was in another band actually called Hammond's Folly that was named after Bob Dylan's you know manager that uh, had the debacle there. But so I was playing in this band, and it was a great band. And and but it really wasn't my thing. I mean, it was more funny enough. I mean, it was kind of more REM based, and you know, I was kind of on the other side of that coin, more like the Black Crows and kind of mm-hmm. Southern rock, and yeah. grew up listening to Motown and Stax, and so. And that's what this band was. So their drummer's leaving and going to San Francisco. So I left this band, which was a whole big dramatic event in small town Oxford, leaving one band and going to play for another. And, you know, one of the one of my former members threw peanuts at me the first show. It was just like, <laughs> you know, it, literally uh, at a bar called Blind Jim's. Oh, you really did mess So, up, yeah. yeah. So we decided to uh, that it would be a really great idea to – Let's see, we were playing in a band together. We were touring. We were living in the same house, working in the same pizza kitchen. Had saved some money to go to Ardent and record and said, you know what? Our bass player at the time was actually working at a a studio across town called Sweet Tea that was owned by Dennis Herring. That was a major label recording studio. So um, Matt was working there, and we just said, let's let's buy some gear. And, and, uh, you know, we had a cassette four-track machine that we were recording our own stuff. Then all of a sudden— we turn a living room into a practice space and everybody starts showing up uh, and recording with us or recording their stuff or practicing and kind of went, well, why don't we buy some gear and record our own record, work the kinks out, and then uh, turn it into a business. So we did. And we ran it successfully for a couple of years. And then, uh, you know, your traditional kind of VH1 behind the music, you know, there's drugs and alcohol and everything involved in it. And and uh, one day, you know, I'm, I'm booking the studio and, and learning how to be an engineer. Matt's running it. And one day he comes to me and he says, I don't, I don't want to record bands that I don't like anymore. And I went, well, Matt, that's going to be a problem because all you listen to is The Cure and Bauhaus and Joy Division. And we're in the <laughs> Southeast and that's not really a thing. So uh, he left and I, I kind of went, okay, well, I have a decision to make. I can either kind of charge forward and learn as I go. And so I kind of shut the studio down for a four or five, six months and recorded my own stuff and just uh, kind of learned it that way and just kept that's going. That's amazing. Actually, that's amazing. I think I would love to have been in your head while you're thinking, when these things come, because you found a solution. Like, sure. It was just bam, bam, bam. Okay, we can't do this. Let's do this. We can't do that. Let's do that. I mean, and the flow of, I know that there was a long time before between all that happening and everything but the flow of your brain working okay we've been here let's go on and all that that's what I I when I was reading all about you that's what I loved about that is you seem to have found solutions right away well yeah I mean they were I mean they were hard pressed at, at times I mean it, it worked a lot I mean you know we 
it, it was tough in the beginning, man. I mean, I was booking the, the the studio. I was playing in different bands. I was, you know, washing the sheets, cleaning the toilets. I mean, it was a one stop shop. And and funny enough, in a in a you know, I think I told you. I mean, this is a mirror image almost of what we built after being in a house for five years, four years, and in Oxford. So it's uh, it's very comfortable for me to be in these in these rooms because I was in them for 17 years. And I don't think anybody really knows that you b- bought or whatever, how you got these buildings. I'm not really sure the history of them, but it's four buildings, correct? It was it was two buildings, actually. It was uh, so from Clayton to Washington Street. It was the Lamar Lewis shoe store, and it, it goes the whole city block, one floor, and then upstairs on the Clayton side, uh, there's an upstairs as well. So all our faculty is up there. And, and so one of my team members, David Dwyer, uh, was a, a realtor that I got introduced to through a friend of a friend when I first came. And so we're standing in in the Lamar Lewis building. And, you know, I, I, as I told you, we were going to build this version of this in Mississippi. And I had kind of the same layout that we're in right now with two classrooms, two studios, was about 5,800 square feet. And so I'm sitting in a, you know, in a 9,000 square foot space next door that's linear in the fact that it's, you know, it's, it's narrow and it's 3,000 square feet in three different parcels. So I'm sitting there trying to figure out, walking around, how can I recreate the same floor plan or how can I do a studio? And so literally the second day that we're looking at this building, Dwyer gets a call from the guy next door that's in this building, which was the former Copper Creek Brewery and, you know, it was Uptown oh, Lounge back I in the day. I couldn't remember what yeah. it was, Copper Creek. That's so it was a great right. rock and roll club back in the day called the Uptown Lounge too. And so oh, yeah. he calls just kind of a blind shot and, and calls Dwyer and says, hey, I saw that you're representing the building next door. I want to sell my building. And I'd, I'd like for you to broker it. So it, there it was, just just dropped right in my lap once again on the second works. day. I mean, there's no <laughs> such thing as coincidence in my mind. We have just all these, and it's the same thing as you wake up in the middle of the night. I mean, I have stories upon stories of things like that that have happened that have led me to sitting in the seat talking to you uh, right I now. I truly believe that. Sure. So there was our 6,000 square feet and two buildings and cut a hole in the wall and morphed them together. Well, I mean, and it, looks fantastic but it does have that uh that kind of homey feel sure um i had a there's a band i followed in uh, virginia um the fashion smoothies <laughs> and i met your your story parallels uh, one of the guys there chico who worked at a pizza parlor and they started to record in the ba- in their basement um what, what did it look like when you first started out i remember these guys were stapling eggshell cartons oh yeah <laughs> Yeah, we. I mean, we turned a living room into a into a tracking room, cut a hole in the wall, and turned a bedroom into a, a, a small control room. And it was like, you know, mattresses that we had found on the side of the road and tapestry tie dyes going. That's awesome. And you look back now and the knowledge, it's like that. Those that did absolutely no good whatsoever. No, there's no physical. Yeah, other than breaking your back trying to get a mattress to stand up on a wall. So, lessons learned. That's a trip. And so did. Um, so with your time in Fappy Tweed, is does Tweed recording have anything to do with that? Or is I mean, what does that mean yeah, to you? Yeah, well, I mean, I, I think the guys, I think Fappy had a connotation or a de- definition of like yes. euphoria <laughs> or something like that. And then, you know, Tweed was just basically like a Tweed amp or a Tweed jacket, like all these different fabrics kind of combined together. So we were like, you know, back, back in the 90s, it was always surprising to me because Oxford – we had incredible bands, bands like Blue Mountain and uh, the Enigma Jazz Project and Wobbity and and all these really great bands that were just as good as what was going on here in Athens. We just never, it was more of a literary town. 
it was known for Grisham and and Faulkner and Larry Brown. So it, it kind of just you know, Blue Mountain is 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 one of the best bands I think you know in the Americana that majority of people don't know. They're kind of like that dark horse band that like people know, yeah. like their twin sister uh, Laurie Stewart, John Stewart plays in Wilco. So they uh, you know they've got a just a great history. So. There's my Blue Mountain Oxford plug. So there you go. There um, you go. You, so yeah, it was just an amazing community of, of of music that was happening. Where you had 40, 40 or so local bands that were all doing different things, but playing on each other's records, playing on different shows. So I mean, we did. We used to do these shows where Wabadi was this incredible three piece kind of math rock band, and we were kind of more of like a straightforward kind of southern rock thing. And we'd do these shows where we'd set up together. And one, we would start the show together and then one band would transition off into a song and then the other band would take a break. So this kind of morphing of all this stuff that was going on and the Best Western uh, Hotel had a bar there that we were playing in. It was like all of a sudden on Tuesday nights, like 150, 200 people were showing up, which is great music. That's not what I saw at Best Western. (laughs) (laughs) But cool. Gosh, I mean, everything, everything about that is Athens. It, yeah, it, it really is. It was very similar. We just didn't get we just didn't Had get the same. Had you spent a lot of time in Athens before this? Yeah, I mean, we played a bunch of shows here back at the old Georgia Theater and the old. Mm-hmm. Uh, we we played. I think the most shows I probably played was over at Tasty World. We just had I a, could not oh, find yeah. one file of music for your off of that fappy tweet. I was there isn't any. It's all it's all sitting in boxes and storage on CDs. There, I mean, that, we we didn't have streaming services then. I mean, the band I think ended in two thousand. Yeah. 2000, I think New Year's Eve was our last. I just wanted to hear one song. Well, I'll get you some CDs. Okay. That's all. We were actually just talking about that upstairs. I'm just curious like, because, you, you know, that was what you were doing back then. This is what you're doing now. Yeah. And this show, of course, is about now and then. I will get you all some those CDs. those kind of things. <laughs> it's on my list of things to do. I need to put that stuff up on Spotify because people enjoyed it. It was fun. It was a, it was a great time in life. I am. Um, Would it be a double uh, CD compilation? Be a triple. Album? There are three. <laughs> there are actually three Fappy Tweed records in the okay. vault, and all three of them are very different. I know we've talked a lot about Athens and and it being the same kind of vibe that you were feeling in Oxford. When you came here and you, you met with David Dwyer, mm-hmm. who to me was like a godsend. Someone just said, "Oh, here you go." Oh yeah, absolutely. And he. He just did it. Yeah. I mean, he just did everything you needed to do. You couldn't ask for a better place right next to the Georgia Theater. Yeah. Well, right I had it in my head. I, had in my, I mean, I had in my head I was going to go out and do it, the same thing I did in Oxford, which is about six or seven miles outside of town. And Serene, the problem here is you got a CSX train that runs around Athens nine to 12 times a day. So can't really put a recording studio <laughs> next to that. But, yeah, So Dwyer's, my point is, how, 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 how has Athens welcomed you? And I mean, the government... The ban- uh, the people here, the um, venues, uh, anybody you know around here give you any slack about opening this kind of thing? Yeah, in the beginning, I mean, but that's just that's people being you know scared of the unknown. I would have reacted the same way. We came in and and to be quite honest, we kind of kept our head down because you know we were changing a little bit, trying to figure out okay, what's this program going to be like? What you know, we we had a, a head of faculty that left, and then Charlie came on, and Charlie had been in the education spot, so it was really, you know, I, I didn't I didn't go and talk to a lot of people about it. You know, I mean, I sat down with David Barbie one of the first times we were here and kind of explained what we were doing because he was, you know, kind of the 
kind of the shareholder of Athens. I mean, mm-hmm. he started a studio, I think, a year before I did in 1994 or 95. So we had kind of parallel, you know, a thousand people that we knew but didn't know each other. And so, um, you know, in the beginning, there was standoffishness. But, I mean, there were 5,000 people or so, or not 5,000, probably 100 people. There's, you know, and there's one of me. So tr- me trying to get around to everybody explaining what I was going to do uh, was difficult. So oh, I can't imagine. But, you know, and, and some of the folks that were naysayers in the beginning are now understand fully what we're doing. They're here teaching adjuncts. I mean, everybody thought it was this big, this big box, you know, invasion, this Walmart-esque thing that was coming in. And it's not. It's it's all, I mean, we haven't, we've got, we got a grant, a facade grant for uh, Clayton Street. Other than that, mm-hmm. uh, we haven't taken a dime of money from anyone. It's been all me and, and family. So, um, that's kind of hard to sit down and explain that to everybody in the beginning, and nor do I feel like you should have to. It's we live in this wonderful place called America where you can do what you want to do, and healthy competition is a good thing. So, well, we hope so. Sure. Anyway, I think when I was talking to you on the street that day, I don't, uh, I don't think we talked about it today uh, when I met you earlier. Um, when I came to Athens, it was a place that I really thought I'd work in music. Mm-hmm. But I didn't. I I couldn't find the music. I mean, I I could. I saw Troy. I saw all these things. But what I really wanted to do when I came here was to help people get their bands out there, but through social media and all that kind of stuff. But I realized I probably couldn't do that. Nobody has money for social media. True. Yeah. So I I took a job uh, elsewhere and built my own business as well. When when you come to Athens and you're, you're trying to immerse yourself into a community, it's, it can be very cliquish. Oh yeah. And I was immersing myself into business because I was an insurance person now, right. uh, health insurance. And due to my medical journey, that was a perfect thing for me to do. But I couldn't, I, the musicians are in, it's an insider thing. I didn't know half of the musicians here because I wasn't trying to necessarily by immersing myself into the business, Mm -hmm. but I still didn't know where they were or who they were. And when I started to think about this, it's kind of like what happened to you. All of a sudden, everybody's there. You're recognizing them. You're seeing them. You're asking, who is that? And then when you ask who that is, you go down or you research who that was or something like that. You go down this rabbit hole and you like pulling musicians out of it. <laughs> yeah. And I was like, oh my gosh, there is a lot of things in here happening. Yeah, there are and- a lot of great music connections that that start in Athens or, or run through Athens. Oh, yeah. Who do you think of when you start thinking about the connections that are in music that's that's really valuable in this in this community? Well, I mean, we have an opportunity within the 18 weeks where we do three weeks of experiential learning and then a bunch of studio to recording days. And we had to kind of build our own experiential, uh, you know, atmosphere because, you know, it's just hard for students that are here taking the amount of time to get out and, and be able to be outside this building and, and not have a complete and total brain drain. So, you know, we've been very fortunate that, you know, a lot of our graduates and a lot of our current, you know, Students play in bands. Uh, like I said, Nate, one of our faculty, Nelson, had a uh, 
has had a really great music career here out of Athens. So, you know, it, there's, they're here. I mean, and, and we get the, the, the responsibility and the, and the fun of recording a lot of them. So, um, you know, there's an incredible hip hop scene here too, that people don't know about that they should know about what Montu Miller has done. And, and I just put him on my list. Yeah, and, uh, so we, you know, we're doing, we're talking about doing things to foster that too, with the hip hop night in the venue. And, you know, so there's a, there's that was a, lot a of big a, rabbit hole that I walked in sure. and I started reading about him and the hip hop. Cause I've seen some of the hip hop at, um, was it not globe, but uh world famous. Yeah, uh-huh. They'll do a lot of things there. Yeah. And I started when, when I saw a thing about his 50 years of hip hop or whatever. Yeah. Um, it was, I, I said, oh my gosh, I hadn't even really been able to dive into all of that. I feel like um, I could go on talking to people for 100, 200 days right now. Sure. So I'm hoping that this um, is really trying to show people from an outsider's view about Athens, Georgia, because mm-hmm. I'm really still an outsider. I'm like, who do I think I am doing this? I mean, <laughs> why me? There's so many other people, but I was fascinated by it. So here it is. But I, it, it is an outsider's view, and it is what I want people to know about mm-hmm. Athens, Georgia, around the world. Yeah. I mean, I'm not trying to make this a big global, you know, there's creation, nothing, wrong, there's nothing wrong with global domination. People, people know. <laughs> people in Europe know Athens, Georgia. Yeah. Oh yeah. There's people who know, and when they see, I hope when they see something, they will see that Athens still viable. It's still a, a music mecca. Oh yeah. Along other things. I moved here in '99, and and I mean, the the hardship that I took on was going to Atlanta if if I couldn't see it in Athens. Yeah. Um, that was always kind of the. Um, and you would stay in Athens. You would stay in Athens because you got such great talent coming through here, such great talent that is here. And so, you know, I, I'm just curious as to your collaborators. Are your uh, students here getting an opportunity to kind of see some of the potential, I guess, careers that they might do around around Athens or uh, any of the venues collaborating um, with yeah. some of your efforts. Well, I mean, back to experiential learning, I think, you know, semester two, we did, you know, we're, we average around 15 bands, nine different genres, uh, that they'll get to record in the building, but outside the building, not, not really why they're here. I mean, they don't, like I said, they're, they're here living and eating and breathing and sleeping this for 18 weeks. So, you know, I, I think we have two types of students that I, I feel like that we've graduated that are one is more an entrepreneurship base, which is I'm going to go start my own studio. And then the other one is I'm going to go work at another studio or work. You know, right now we have such a live sound deficit that a lot of our students are we're working in that industry as well. So they're running live sound, whether it's or a live wire or a church or uh, working for, a, you know, a production company. So those are kind of the, the outside opportunities. What I'm hoping to do is, you know, kind of on a political front, is to kind of create awareness for the audio industry in Georgia and post-production and film work and ADR and Foley and sound design. I mean, we have a $4.4 billion film industry. We should have at least, a, you know, a, a very... Use of it. Yeah, sure. Amazing, amazing. I, um, I, I, 
I hope that people learn about your your studio and what you're trying to do here um, by through this podcast and other media platforms. But as you've opened this and it's been going and you say, you know, it's changing and all this, what what are your future visions for Tweed recording? Let's you know, we think a lot about that. We talk, we got a gigantic whiteboard upstairs where we, we kind of mark things off. I mean, you know, right now we're just growing, like I said, growing an in industry. I want to grow the audio industry. I mean, there's a you know, a couple of folks 12, 13 years ago that said we're going to bring the film industry to Georgia, and everybody said they were crazy. So I want to bring the audio industry here. I mean, we it, it should be here. We should be doing more. And And I think I think as the future goes, I mean, I can see, I would like to see what we're kind of, challenging the the technical college system right now to do is to undertake tweed as as a you know provider for audio education so we're talking about dual enrollment for high school students and then uh, uh so they would take a piece of that here or at their uh, respective high school areas for uh, for a year you know three hours a week or so and then they would get dumped into this program we get to augment our program a little bit in the fall and kind of get into like the you know, the, I like to call it the quantum physics of recording to where it's just more time mixing and more time in the, in front of a console. I mean, that's, that's kind of the things that we struggle with is, is what, you know, providing ample time to mix. Mixing is just hard. It's just a hard thing to do. It takes, takes time and years of, of kind of practicing to do it. And even then some days you just wipe it all clean and start back to normal. So I think as far as the future goes, just awareness of, of, of the opportunity for, you know, a person to get a, a job in this industry, whether it be here in Georgia or whether it be in California or Los Angeles or Prague or wherever else it is. Uh, I'm in. Thank you. <laughs> I'll do anything I, I can. It. That's Thank you for, for doing sure. this. It's been great. Um, so how does someone get to be in your studio? How do they, how do they enroll? So we have an application process uh, that we go through online on the website and then, um, they come and sit down with us, do an interview process and, you know, a lot of questions that we ask them. And I just sit down and have a, a conversation that's, hey, if you're going to come and do this, it's going to be hard. It's going to be harder than most of the things you've ever done in your life. I mean, we ask a lot of you because that's what's expected when you go back in the industry. We're not giving you a trophy for showing up. It just doesn't exist. This is hard work. It's fun, but it's just like anything else. If you're going to be good at it, it, it is hard work. So... um you know, those are the kind of things that we that we talk about with a person before they get here. And then, you know, I I always love asking a person, you know, what what do you want to do? And I'm not going to hold you to that, but it's going to be fun to see what happens to you, you know, over the next 20 weeks to where you come out of this and you've either accepted what it is that you wanted to do, what you said you were going to do, or you've found something else that you like better, like maybe mastering or, you know, sound for film or whatever else. So, and then I love the question too, is like, you know, what, I think it's actually on our applications, what song do you dislike more than any other song <laughs> on the face of the planet? And they'll tell us the song and why. And so, you know, I, I'll encourage them to go listen to it for three days straight nonstop. <laughs> That'll tell you a lot about it if you're ready to, to do this. Oh my so, gosh, that's a great idea. It's true. It is. How many are in the program now? And is that reflective of the number of applications that you get? A little bit of both. So we we designed the building uh, to only be 24 at a time. Okay. So no more than 24 students. Just because if we get above that number, you kind of lose what we think is our right. best asset, which is time. 
time with an instructor, time in front of these beautiful consoles. And, you know, there's, we have not found another program in the world that goes as fast as we go. So that's, I mean, we designed the building purpose built for that, for that idea. Kayla still talks about her recording bands at 10, 1030 at night just to get the practice. Sure. So that's, yeah. Well, that's fantastic. I mean, you can't find class sizes like that anywhere. No. Um, And we cut it in half too, uh, just because of COVID and, you know, the demand has been a little bit less since then, but we're, we got a good, good number of folks that are, have already filled out applications for next semester. So that's good. And if we get a technical college partnership, that puts us in front of 26 technical colleges across the state that are providing awareness. I don't know about you, Joe, but I think I could feel, I could talk to you for another hour sure. easily. So we'll have to have you back on Absolutely. as, as things one. progress. And, and I, I truly, again, want to thank you that I, I get to record this podcast here and utilize what you've been teaching everybody. And Kayla has been great. She's been supportive. She t- definitely tells me, you know, what she likes and doesn't. Oh yeah. She's and great. I, I need a little bit of that as we all do, uh, you know, trying not to do this, but I truly, truly appreciate you being here. Well, thank y'all for taking the time and trusting us to do it. Thanks, Andrew. Appreciate it. Thank, thank y'all. I can't say enough about this studio. And I am so happy that we had the opportunity to talk to Andrew Ratcliffe. As far as the future of this podcast, I believe we will have a diverse myriad of guests that have built this city, defined it as a music mecca, and simply just plain old music fans that will never leave Athens, because Athens, Georgia is such a special place now and then.